The way I like to look at it is like how a great book is is written. It has to go through stages of like rough drafting. I always looked at a great song as being able to go through these drafts to get to a, a final great equation. There are a lot of Jake songs that show up for us that are basically, they could just be completely done and be their own songs. And, you know, he, he'll be like, yeah, you know, I didn't have too much time to get a really good mix on this, but, uh, you know, here it is. And you, he plays something for you and you're like, wow, this sounds better than most recordings that artists put out. Nice, <laughs> nice work. There's that feel of walking into a blank canvas. So I love just driving from South Bend up here to Niles, and it's like 20 minutes. I'm really just kind of like thinking and clearing out my mind a bit. So when I walk in here, sometimes I, I can just grab something out of midair and throw it into the guitar. And, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm riffing on something. I got a riff that's... So I just kind of allow myself to play around with chord schemes, play around with rhythms, play around with tempos, and then once I get an idea, I'll, I'll get that metronome going. Okay, where does it feel best? Yeah, you know. So I just kind of like allow myself to just hit the guitar running and, and ask for ideas, call on the magical spirits of, of rock and roll and hopefully like that enters into my guitar like Salieri in, in, in Amadeus where he was like Mozart's rival or whatever, and he just was never good enough. And he was like, oh Lord, please send me an awesome chorus. You know? <laughs> so I, th I think about that stuff often when I'm, when I'm writing, just, oh please, spirit of music, dawn upon me an amazing riff. Boom, <laughs> we got something. Welcome back to Talking Circles, a podcast about Umphreys McGee's 2022 album, Asking for a Friend. In this episode, we're focusing on the fourth single from the record, Dayville Monarchy. This is the first single written by guitarist Jake Sinninger to be released from Asking for a Friend. In this episode, we're going to dive into Jake's methodical creative process and the collaboration that went into making the song. God-given birth name would be uh, Jacob Allen Sinninger. Most people get that wrong. They go Sinninger. I'm like, no, it's Ger. <laughs> or or if, if a teacher would look down the name in, in, in roll call class or whatever, they'd just say Cinnamon because they weren't looking at it all the way. So Jake Allen Cinnamon could be a possibility. Yeah, and what I do, I guess, try to harness music all together that's that's my main objective is to try to harness and make it physical right because everyone's got musical ideas but how do you turn it into something physical so you got to be able to pick up an instrument and utilize it as, as that tool 
So that's that's where it starts. Been playing with Humphreys McGee for 23 years now, 22 years. Jeez, long time. Play lead guitar with those guys and sing like 20% of the tunes because Bayless is a tenor. I'm a baritone. It just works better. So yeah, that's my gist in a nutshell, musically. Whereas in past episodes, we've examined singer-songwriter Brendan Bayliss's penchant for allowing ideas to simmer for years before they become fully realized, Jake Sinninger takes an assembly line approach to crafting a song. Using his studio in Niles, Michigan, as a retreat for focused creativity, he arrives and immediately dives into a project with intentionality. So something like Dayville, Monarchy, I wanted that big feel or contrast between the verses and the choruses. I love like when the chorus kind of surprises you on the first listen. So it goes like super major chord, you know, like. Just kind of a simple, almost like 80s vibe. It has like a REO Speedwagon quality to the chorus. But then the verse, the verses have that sort of um, Pink Floyd. I was going for that ambient Pink Floyd kind of spacey and using like these these uh, major these major chords. Almost like a jazz chord, right? If you can hear that guitar. And I did something cool. I just went to a half step, which is kind of unusual to put two major chords next to each other in a half step. So the first was... kind of cool kind of like Sid Barrett like where he would be like you know all that weird half step major chord stuff which is very Nirvana if you hear it hear it correctly like Nirvana or Kurt Cobain would use a lot of those little half step things which is, which is kind of unusual you know and then it's, it just goes into that big chorus, which is like REO Speedway. <laughs> you know, kind of predictable big chorus. Sounds good in a big room. With a clear plan of attack and a nod towards his influences ever present in his work, Sinninger sets about building a complete demo within a few days' time before ever presenting his work to his bandmates. And, and so basically the process would be coming into the studio, finding a great tempo is everything, like where the metronome should set for a song. Sometimes that'll spark an idea, just like a certain tempo could be faster, like that, or really slow. Just because something is slow doesn't mean it can't be intense, right? You know, like like Black Sabbath did slow, you know. That's like the slowest tempo ever, but it, it's got so much energy at the same time. So basically get a tempo going and then uh, make a skeleton guitar part to where I play to the metronome, you know, um, um, basically like... play the song kind of and construct it on paper. So I'll get like kind of a, a rough sketch of A, B, C section or solo section um, and write everything out like how long do I want to do each verse. 
on how long do I want to do a course? Do we just want a half course? Do we want a double course at the end? Uh, how long is the, the, the solo section or the C section? And then how long is the outro? And do we want to go back to a verse for the outro? Do we want to end with the chorus? I think Davil was pretty close to being done, but we did write the bridge together, and that's the part of the songwriting that I contributed to there. We changed, we did a really fun kind of group experiment with the lyrics, which was something that we had never done before with a tune. Hey, it's Joel Cummins. I play keyboards for Humphreys McGee, and I'm coming to you live from Houston, Texas, in the United Club, where I am on a rather absurd uh, eight-hour layover. Uh, was going to be about 10 or 11, but I had to buy a new flight and on a different airline, and uh, I'm going to make it to my gig tonight. I am confident. Usually a couple days, um, I'll come in and get the basic tracks done the first day and get a nice mix going on the, on the console. And then the next day, sort of think about lyric, lyrical schemes and just like how I want the melody to go over the top of the, the band that I've, I've created in multi-track. So, yeah, just kind of sit down with a pen and paper and a, and a, and a handheld microphone because I just want to get like a scratch vocal down and then go back and do more of a, of a finished version. Cross all the T's and dot all the I's, kind of get some lyrics going that work. Yeah, and then and then mix out something that's like a de like a good demo where it sounds pretty finished. So then I show it to the boys, and then we do our like Umphrey's arrangement to it. So then everyone kind of like finds their groove with the song and their particular parts. One of the hardest things as a songwriter is knowing like when you write something what's good and what's what's just okay and it's funny because i feel like for me at least half the time i'm bring something up and i'm like oh this is this is cool like the band is gonna like this and then i have this other idea it's like i did this too you know i don't know what you guys think about this oh that one's good and i'm like oh, really so then it makes you question. You're just like, is, it can just be hard to know what to other people feels good and sounds good. You know, it's such a personal thing of putting this stuff out there that, um, you know, you want to, when, you, when you're writing it and, and kind of in that process, you feel, you know, you're going for something that you feel like, okay, I really like this, you know? You're, you're, you don't quit writing if you get to a point and you're like, okay, that last idea wasn't that great, but on to the next one. No, you know, you go back and you're like, how can we do that better? So I had pretty much the vocal, the lyrics done on a demo that I've had like lying around for a couple of years. We just needed it a little more tight. So it was great. We all sat around in a circle and we just kind of combed through the lyrics and we're like, let's, let's make this line up a little bit more here and there with like sort of a direction and a meaning. Did kind of a, uh, a, a live brainstorm with, uh, with Ryan Hewitt, who was engineering and, and co-producing like with us and the rest of us in a room and kind of tried to go line by line and just saw, you know, what could we 
changed just slightly that, you know, the, the ones that Jake was like, I don't feel like that strong, you know. And I love how the, the finished product of this because you kind of have an idea of something that Jake's talking about, but there's also, you know, plenty of things that seem very opaque and mysterious about what the hell is he singing about here. <laughs> like it's about Russia and Ukraine a little bit too with the with the verses like about this pawns and chess and, and, and coming to take the crown away you know and this was before all that stuff even happened so it's funny how it, like the, the lyrics kind of correlate with the vibe of like a, a war situation and, and you know the good guy wins in the end <laughs> sort of monarchy so call on the pawns of peace Marching right into your town Where they stole the crown But yeah, it's, it's funny how that works. But I love sitting around in a circle and, and tightening up the words as a group. You know, where everyone was just kind of like, okay, we're combing through this. Let's, let's change this line so it fits with this next one. So we did that all, all on, the, on the spot the day of. It, it, you know, everyone gets involved, and it's like we're just trying to better the song. At the end of the day, I, I feel like I'm super into just if I got a good idea, but if, if someone else can help make it great, that's inside the it's that's inside the band. I'm all for it, you know, because that song is now better than it was before. So a lot, a lot of it's sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, okay, I'll change it because it's not good enough. But man, we've been writing songs for so many years that we have a good. Uh, shit filter you know if something's not working let's 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 change it and make it right because every great song is like a piece of clay you can you can shape it into something that you want eventually you know you can always go back and revise this is like a fist pumping uh outro right and i love the also the like the kind of shock of the harmonics on the last chord it's a it's a really cool like little finish too it, it's it's cool also because i feel like it's you know, the, we've gone from like total rock and roll. Now there were some uh, uh, acoustic guitar moments earlier in the song, right over the verse. So it's not like it's completely out of place. It's like one of these, and then all of a sudden you're in Michael Hedges land. Yeah, kinda, I like those broad contrasts in a song. Where you, you, on first listen, you're kind of surprised by it. I think that that leaves a certain earworm or, or tattoo in the listener's brain. So it's a lot of it's based on like a musical psychology a little bit. So there's a little bit even deeper meaning to that, trying to get a reaction out of like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. As with each of the previous songs we've discussed on Talking Circles, the creativity in songwriting doesn't end for Umphreys McGee even after a song is sealed on a record. Translation to the stage is critical, 
and for Jake, Joel, and the other members of Humphreys McGee, a song like Dayville Monarchy presents a whole host of opportunities in the live setting. But yeah, playing it live, it's going to be fun, man. Good lights. I'm seeing lights nice and low during the verses and then huge bright orange on the, uh, the choruses. So I can, I, can, I can imagine those sort of things. All of these tunes are going to be taken for a ride. All of these songs are going to be played live. You know, it might take us a little while to implement them in. I think that's the hardest thing. Is it just takes like 10 to 15 times of playing a song before you really like know it physically. And I'm not thinking about it with my brain. You know, just implementing them one by one and not feeling like we necessarily have to rush to get everything, you know, ready. I feel like it could be an awesome jam vehicle too finding songs that have a good place where we can open up and just that, that G chord. So like just right there, like going to an ACDC type jam or something. Uh, so I'm so already sort of envisioning it, excited about getting back and playing with those boys and shoot, excited, man. It's been a while since we rocked. Every time Umphreys McGee sets out to craft a new song, there's a process in place. Understanding where the songwriter is at at the time of inception. Offering intentional ideas and suggestions so each member can put their stamp on it. Building it out to something new and something familiar all at once. And then finally, presenting it to their fans in hopes that they'll connect with it as much as the band has. I hope that they take away that it's okay to ask questions and, you know, take a look around and see what's happening. And then in the end of it, uh, it's kind of a, a fist pumping outro, like go crush life sort of vibe. <laughs> so I hope that's what people take from it. So it's like a baby being born. It's like a perfect little baby before it's been heard and then it grows up into a song. And then hopefully it, it grows into an old song, <laughs> just like, a human quality. That's how I look at songs. Little babies that turn into real people. Then it has pubic hairs all of a sudden. <laughs> With little gray whiskers. On the next episode of Talking Circles, we'll dive into the next single from Asking for a Friend. Talking Circles is a production of Osiris Media and Umphreys McGee. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Written and produced by Brian Brinkman, RJB, and Kevin Browning. All interviews and audio used with permission from Umphreys McGee. Osiris. <laughs>